Hello and welcome to the very first live recording of Refocus with Lindsay Gensel. I'm Lindsay Gensel, the host of the podcast. This is a collaboration with ADHD Online, a telemedicine healthcare company that provides affordable and accessible ADHD assessments, treatment, medication management, and teletherapy. They're based out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm based here just outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is the elusive craft room office that I have been working on for four years. This is the first thing that I have done in here besides a lot of shuffling around of papers and putting things away and taking them back out. And so welcome. Obviously, once this goes live on the podcast platform, you won't be able to see inside the office slash craft room, but trust me, what you see behind me is very organized and orderly and neat. And what you can't see behind the camera, well, that's another story. Maybe that's what I'm going to tackle this afternoon. So one of the things that we have tried really hard with this podcast is to be as upfront and honest and candid as humanly possible because we are humans and we are flawed. And a lot of the flaws come on my end, because I am not only the host of the podcast, I'm also the producer and the editor and the writer. And I get an insane amount of support from the team at ADHD Online. But at the end of the day, when the podcast doesn't go up, that's on me. Or in the one case, it was on our podcast hosting platform who decided a Monday morning would be a great time to change everything up. And we all sat for a good 24 hours with our podcasts in limbo until they went out into, into the interweb, wherever they go. And so you could listen to it. But bottom line, if the podcast doesn't go up, end of the day, it's on me. And today's podcast, you may think you are watching it, listening to it. But in reality, you will listen to it next week because at about four in the morning, it was not done and there was no way it was going to be done to the level I wanted it to be. And so I decided to pivot. It's a word anyone with ADHD probably knows well. It's a verb. It means to change positions. It was made infamous from that great old scene on the sitcom Friends when they're trying to get the couch down or up the stairwell. I can't remember which direction. Anyway, Ross Geller, lovely pivot. That's me this morning. It's four in the morning. I'm awake. I'm anxious. I feel like I've let everyone down. It's a feeling I know very, very well. It's a feeling I know is very well connected to my ADHD, to my rejection sensitive dysphoria, to my fear of letting people down. And I had to pivot. And luckily I'm supported by an amazing team at ADHD online who said, yeah, let's do it. Let's send out an email. Let's host a live recording of this podcast and let's invite people into this world. And I hope you all know that I'm not telling you this so that you feel sorry for me or that you are amazed at what we were able to put together on such a short notice. That is by far the last thing I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that this accountability helps me change the way I operate because this is not a 
isolated incident. And this is the point where I come clean in the fact that every episode you've listened to so far, for the most part, has been accomplished thanks to an all-nighter. I am 36 years old and I have been pulling all-nighters the night before the podcast is due, like I'm back in college and it has to stop. One, it's not healthy. I'm too old for that. Two, pulling an all-nighter on a Sunday to a Monday to start your week. Am I nuts? I mean, I know I'm nuts, but it's this idea of how am I going to break decades and decades of bad habits that are linked back to something I didn't even know I had two years ago? And one way I'm hoping to do that is by being honest about it and putting it out there and telling you all and telling everyone who's listening to this podcast and who finds this podcast that it is very hard to come to terms with how you operate and to get out of your own way. And this might be it for me. This might be the saving grace I need to come clean to so many people. And yeah, I'm incredibly proud of the podcasts we've put out. And it's not to say that all of the work has been done the night before because, you know, I'm not recording interviews at two in the morning. It's just that I have told myself, you know, the stories we tell ourselves. I've told myself that I work best on a deadline, on a tight deadline. Oh, I love pushing those tight deadlines. And enough's enough. We have to break that. We have to break that for so many reasons. It is Monday, August 15th, and the number of people I've let down already today is not in the double digits, but it's it's dang near close. I started my morning by canceling a lunch meeting and then rescheduling that same lunch meeting only to cancel it again. I haven't read the email back from the person I was canceling on because I am so afraid that I've upset them to the point that they want nothing to do with me. I, I've closed the door on any grace or forgiveness that this person might extend my way. I had a doctor's appointment for this afternoon that in the middle of the night, I moved up to 9 a.m. and then knew I was going to be late for. So I missed that because they have a seven minute window, which I push every single time. So I missed my nine o'clock appointment. Someone in the meantime, scooped up my afternoon appointment. So now I have no appointments to go to and I have no way of communicating with the doctor because of course no one answers the phone when I call. So he just thinks that I've no-showed him, which I did. I mean, yes, I no-showed him. I let down the team at ADHD online when I told them I would have something done and I didn't. And I spent the last mm, 12 hours going over in my head, all of the different excuses I could pull out. I mean, the ones we all go through when something we've said we were going to accomplish isn't. And it's something that a lot of us with ADHD deal with all the time. And at the end of the day, I just decided like enough with those excuses, like enough with pulling out something that might have caused the delay. It might have made things harder for me. 
but it doesn't solve anything moving forward. And over the years, I have become a very good liar. And now I don't lie about anything of real importance, but it is still important to own when you make a mistake, to own when you are running late, to not blame it on traffic or, oh goodness, the lost cat in our neighborhood who I was out setting a trap for at 6 a.m. I mean, yes, that is something that did happen, but that was a decision that I made. Getting up early to do some work, seeing the cat, realizing this might be my chance to catch him, going outside, setting the trap, getting delayed. All of that, they were decisions that I chose to make. And it's very hard to get out of your own way and to break those habits and to stop lying to others and to stop lying to yourselves. And it's very easy to tell yourself it's okay, that it's not harming anyone but it's also not fixing anything. And when I was thinking about the pivot and how I was going to fix this conundrum I had found myself in, it's a Monday, I'm supposed to upload a podcast. There is no podcast edited, ready to go up online. I thought, let's, let's just do it live. Let's just dive into this and see where it goes because that is when the real honesty happens. I mean, I like to think that every single podcast I have put out there is very honest and very candid, but it's also scripted. I script it and I read it. And if I make a mistake, I go back and I do it again and I do it over and over again. And I don't have that luxury here. So I'm going to take this opportunity to go back and tell you a little bit about how this partnership started in the first place. So to go way back, I've worked in journalism for the last 15 years here in the Twin Cities. I did a brief stint out in New York working for Major League Baseball and I job hunt, I job hopped all over the place. I had no idea where I wanted to end up. Hindsight being 2020, I couldn't establish a routine a lot of the places I felt like I didn't belong. There was no cohesion, no feeling like a part of the group. I, I lived off the stories that my brain was telling me, the stories that I was making up about no one wanting me there, about not being good enough, about, I mean, the sky's the limit on the stories that I told myself. And so I hopped around to so many different places. And I worked in a newsroom. I worked in sports. I worked, oh goodness, I, I've been cooking on TV. I've been doing DIY projects on TV. I've been an in-game arena host for a professional lacrosse team. If you didn't know there is a professional lacrosse league in this country, now you do. I was their in-game arena host. I really have done it all. And Every single time I was just waiting to have this feeling of this is, this is it. This is where I want to be. And there were moments for sure. But again, all of those things happened before I knew how my brain works, how I knew who I was and how I operate. And 
now I'm in this new space of knowing I have ADHD and knowing certain lovely things that I will battle every single day for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter if I'm medicated, if I'm in therapy, if I'm working out five days a week and eating healthy, these are things that are always going to be there. And I'm working on finding ways to make them a little less loud, to make them a little less controlling, to make them a little less overwhelming. The other day I was thinking of the last time I woke up and felt truly myself and truly alive and energized. And that's not to say that I haven't felt that in the last few months with this project with ADHD online, because I have, I'm over the moon about this collaboration. The people working at ADHD online are the people you want to entrust your friends and family with. They're the ones you want to entrust your own health with. They are amazing individuals who have found a way to help so many people at a time when it's so needed. But I was thinking of my own little eat, pray, love trip that happened a few years back. It was shortly after my dad passed away and I was in a funk. I had been working at the same job for three years. I had been breadcrumbed along over and over again by management, by multiple different groups of management, because it was a revolving door. And everyone told me what I wanted to hear. And I just, I let that happen. I let those stories come in and fill me up. And then I just waited and I kept doing everything. I kept thinking if I just show up and I do amazing work and I am the person they want me to be, they will notice and they will make my dreams come true. But that's just not how it works a lot of the time. You know, they say the overnight success. Well, yeah, the overnight success is when you heard about them. You aren't hearing about all of the work that went into that moment when they went mainstream. And I finally had enough. And I put in my two weeks and I went on what I call my eat, pray, love trip of my early thirties. And for years, I had wanted to volunteer with this amazing organization called All Hands and Hearts, which is a disaster relief organization. And at the time they had a few camps set up across the world. And one of them was in the uh, United States Virgin Islands, the US Virgin Islands in St. Thomas and St. John. And they were doing disaster relief rebuilding homes that had been destroyed after Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Irma. And it was the first time in my entire life where I traveled alone. I got on a plane. I did not know anyone that was going to be down there. And I spent three and a half weeks waking up every morning, getting to be the person that I wanted to be. I got to be a morning person. No one knew that I had been crabby in the mornings before. No one knew not to talk to me before coffee, but because no one knew me, I got to be exactly who I wanted to be. And I've been thinking back on that trip and trying to figure out why it was so monumental for me and why I, I hold it. I, I just cherish those few weeks. One is because of the people I made lifelong friends. And two is it was a 
setup that worked incredibly well for me because it was so scheduled. There was a time to get up. There was a time to leave. There was a time to be at the work site. There was your lunch break. There was the lunch break is over. You go back to work. And I wasn't in charge of anything. I was just there working. And it's really amazing when you think of those times, because I would never, had I not been diagnosed with ADHD, put two and two together. That the reason I thrived in that environment was because there was so much structure and I knew exactly what was expected of me. And there were so many moments during the day to celebrate, to feel empowered. I mean, like we rebuilt a woman's roof. Now here's the kicker is that we rebuilt the roof of a woman named Dorothy, whose roof was torn off by really strong winds. I mean, it's like the Wizard of Oz, but the U.S. Virgin Islands version. And it was a team of like eight of us, mostly women, all different ages, all different places in life. And we learned how to rebuild a roof. Now, could I go outside and do it right now? No way, because I haven't been doing it since then. But there were so many moments throughout that trip to feel really great about what I was doing and to feel like I mattered. And I think it's so important for us all of us living with ADHD to give ourselves those moments and to ask that of the people around us. You know, I've been thinking a lot about my struggles with friendships and rejection sensitive dysphoria and also the whole object permanence, out of sight, out of mind. I struggle with friendships. I'm very outgoing but I'm also an incredible introvert. And it's like, I kind of forget sometimes that my friends exist unless I'm seeing them or they reach out. Like sometimes I forget that I'm the one who can actually reach out and make plans. And so I had this moment thinking about friendships and the people in my life who are really important to me. And I had this thought that why aren't we asking our friends for what we need? And, and the reason I say that is we're told to ask our partners and our husbands and our wives and our, you know, our significant others, we're told to say like, I, this is what I need from you. This is how you fill up my love tank, or this is my love language. And this is how I'd like to be treated. But we're not as comfortable saying that to our friends. And I, I mean, obviously, like if you are friends with someone and they're treating you poorly, you would ask them to stop treating you poorly. But why aren't we asking our friends for the things that we need in order to be successful? And I think sometimes it's hard to be vulnerable in that way to say to them, I know this might sound incredibly cheesy or juvenile or just some, not something you're used to, but I need this from you in order to live my best life. I need you to once a week, send me a text message, just telling me something really great about myself. And a good friend would do it. A good friend would say, yeah, I, I can be that person for you. I can be that gold star for you. And it's just so easy for us to not ask for what we want, because I think sometimes because things are more difficult for us and we kind of feel like we're all over the place already, adding another thing to all the stuff that we have going on is a lot. I sometimes feel like 
everyone looks at me and is like, oh, she is a lot. She is a lot. There's a lot going on there. Why can't she just pick one thing? Why can't she just focus in on that one thing? Why is it all over the place? And then you go to those people and you're like, hey, could you text me every Tuesday and tell me the podcast is amazing? And it sounds so weird when you say it that way, right? Like we're so afraid to ask for what we want and what we need. And when I think back on how this partnership started with the podcast, you know, I took that eat, pray, love trip. I quit my job. I came back and I bounced around all over the place. And then the pandemic happened. And if you were someone who was diagnosed in the pandemic, welcome to the club. Maybe we were turned on to the diagnosis by the same tweet. And I find it very interesting that I'm working with a company working to make ADHD assessments affordable and accessible because the only reason I went into seek out a diagnosis was because I had health insurance. And the only reason I had health insurance was because I had been unemployed throughout the pandemic because of COVID-19 shutting down nearly everything. And because I was unemployed, I had qualified for insurance through the state of Minnesota. And the only reason I felt comfortable calling to make that appointment was because I knew it was something I could afford at the time because there was health insurance. And it's very frustrating to think of what if that epiphany had happened and I hadn't had health insurance or I didn't know about ADHD online. And so long story short, I go in, I get my assessment, I'm diagnosed, I start medication, I immediately work on finding a therapist and I'm still bouncing around from job to job, trying to figure out where I want to be. And I see a note on a journalist board I'm on, and it was a reporter asking to speak to people about ADHD and binge eating. Well, the first connection I made with my ADHD and kind of my entire life was with rejection sensitive dysphoria made so much sense to me. And then the second big connection I made was my issues with disordered eating and binge eating is one of the things I have always struggled with. I think as a woman, it was just kind of told to me that, yeah, that's just something you're going to deal with forever. I'm here to tell you that since my diagnosis, since starting medication, since learning more about my brain and going to therapy, my issues with food have come so far. And that includes binge eating. So anyway, I send in these answers to this article that this woman is writing about my own experience with binge eating. And then like a great ADHD brain, I forgot all about it. She never reached back out. I figured uh, there'd be a follow-up interview and I went on my merry way. And then I got an email from Claudia at ADHD online asking for a meeting. And I had no idea how they found me. In fact, I think it took like two and a half months for us to figure out and put the dots together that it was through this article that had been written about binge eating and ADHD. Now here's where the few things I had learned in that short time come kind of full circle. It was our second meeting. We were all hitting it off. You know, there's this thing with 
online meetings, you know, when you get in a good one and you're like kind of in a groove and no one's talking over each other, they all kind of found their place and were laughing and just, it felt very easy. It was in our second meeting and I don't even know what the question was, but it was something on the lines of like, well, what do you want out of your career? And without hesitating, I said, I've always wanted to host a podcast about mental health, but I just have never known where to go with it or what to do with it. And I could kind of see the wheels start turning, meeting goes on, that was it. And then very quickly after that, I got an email saying, we've been talking about a podcast for a while. We don't have that skill set right now. You have that skill set and want to host a podcast about mental health. Do you want to talk about collaborating? And it happens so quickly and it happens so effortlessly that there have been a few times throughout the last few months that I have stopped and paused and been like, is this really happening? Like, is this, we're doing this. And what's been so amazing about it is every single time that voice of doubt, that overwhelming feeling of anxiety that comes along with constantly second guessing yourself and second guessing your decisions. It was always squashed by somebody I was working with at the moment at ADHD online. And every single time that I go, what are we doing? What am I doing? I'm reminded that I'm working with this amazing team who have given me freedom to be open and honest with this podcast and to bring it to you in a way that I find entertaining and enjoyable and to give me opportunities like not turning in a podcast on time and then hosting a live one in the middle of a Monday, in the middle of August, when like half their staff is probably on vacation. It's that freedom and that trust. And I got to tell you, I was out there in June and we just hit it off. And I'm so excited about the opportunities ahead to keep learning. You know, the one thing that I want to reiterate over and over again is that I'm learning right along with you. In fact, some of you probably know more about ADHD than I do. This is just what I want to do. I want to host this podcast. I want to be having those conversations and I feel really honored to be in this position. It's so strange when someone sends a nice note on social media about how much they love the podcast because it's what I have wanted to hear for a really long time as someone who thrives off other people's uh, opinions on me. It's what I've wanted. You know, I, I joke, I wanted to be an entertainer. I just was not given actual gifts to entertain in a traditional manner. So I went into journalism thinking that that was the next step. And so here I am getting to kind of bring all of my wants and my dreams and my talents and my experience together into this podcast. And going back to why we're here, I hope you always know that I'm telling you the truth, that I'm being honest with you, that what you are seeing is what you are getting. Sometimes I'm frustrated that I don't have a crazy amount of followers on Instagram or on Facebook because 
that opens doors, it provides opportunities. But at the same time, I will take the growth as it happens because I'm being myself. And a part of that is the fact that all of my social media is every single thing that's happening in my brain. It is not color coded. It is not muted. Sometimes it's filtered. I I will be honest. I'm 36 years old. There are days where I'm like, yes, we are filtering that. There is no shame in that. You do what makes yourself feel great. Roll with it. But it'll always just be a hodgepodge. And that's kind of what this podcast is turning out to be. We're taking it week by week. We always knew that the first couple months were going to be difficult. I don't think any of us expected that we would come to an agreement in April and launch the podcast in mid-May. But all of it is leading up to ADHD Awareness Month, which is in October, and then the National Conference for ADHD, which is in Dallas in November. If you're going, please connect. You can reach me directly, podcast at ADHD online. Of course, I'm on social media at Lindsay Gensel and at Refocus Pod. But the one thing I want to reiterate before I just take a quick breather and bring Keith Boswell into the conversation, this podcast is for you. These webinars are for you. These social media posts that we're putting out, and I promise there will be more of them. Again, it's It's a work in progress. There was not a year to plan for this. There was literally like six weeks, but we all were so passionate about it that in true ADHD form, we couldn't wait. And I think I have always struggled with starting things and being so afraid of putting something out there when it's not perfect. And so we want you to help us get to the point where it's quote unquote perfect. We want this to be your space, your podcast, the place you come to feel connected, the place you come to learn, laugh. I mean, I know I've made some of you cry. I apologize for that. I'm a crier. It's just in my genes. The ADHD definitely amplifies it a little bit, but tell us what you want to talk about. Tell us the stories you want to hear. What is that one thing you just still can't understand about ADHD? Those are the things we really want to dive into after we get past these first couple months of content, because I was trying to explain this last night of what we've been doing over the last few months. And I'm old enough to remember when we had encyclopedias at home, like I had a set of encyclopedias as a kid, like actual books, you guys, they were books, like each letter of the alphabet for the most part had its own book. Some letters had two books, but some letters did have to share, but you would open it up and you would get to the cardinal. Let's say you see a cardinal in the yard and you want to know why they leave their young in the grass, you know, to learn how to fly. Well, you get to the encyclopedia and then there's like a table of contents. And that's what we're building right now. This is the encyclopedia's table of contents for ADHD. And so we want to build something that you can always go back to and learn more about, or that people who are still going to be diagnosed because the numbers are still going to keep going up as we talk about it, as more people find access to it. This isn't something that's going away. And this is not a fad. It's my biggest frustration. You see so many people right now talking about how, oh, well, just everyone has ADHD. And it's like, yeah, maybe everyone does. And maybe everyone knows that they do because we've increased access 
to assessments. We've increased awareness. People know what to look for. And we know how complex it is. And every single day, there are people who are very, very smart who are looking into those complexities. So I am just honored to get to bring tiny bit of those conversations to this podcast. It means the world to me when you guys reach out. And if you want to share your own story, I'm going to keep pitching you. ADHDonline.com, podcast at ADHDonline.com. You can get at me on social media at RefocusPod and at Lindsay Gensel. And as I take a breath, we're going to bring Keith Boswell, the vice president of marketing for ADHD Online into the conversation. I've been handling the chat while, uh, while you've been sharing. There's so many people relating to your story, especially the juggling a lot of different things friendships. I mean, I can, the friendships piece, I think is me to a T. And I I actually met with my therapist last week. And I remember I asked him, I said, can I talk to my friends about my ADHD? Like I'm still in that phase of figuring it out. Right. Because it's still new. Right. But as I'm reflecting on friendships, especially, I've always had this image of what I want to be as a friend but the pressure of not being that friend has been immense, right? So I just, I don't reach out. I don't communicate. And when I do, it's like a burst of activity. And then, you know, I'm back in my, you know, kind of like shell. And I'm realizing like, I do need to put a signal out there. And he's like, yeah, it's okay to talk, you know, because I guess for me, I'm like, well, I don't want to blame my ADHD, but at the same time, like, Blame the ADHD. I mean, like (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I've always wondered that about myself. Yeah. And so um, knowing that you're not alone in that is huge. And I think just the other piece, I mean, talking about the number of people that think they have ADHD and might, you know, we talk about the distracted culture we're in and, and the cell phone and is it producing ADHD like symptoms? Absolutely. People's attention span overall is minimal. But attention is not all of it, right? I mean, I mean, when you've got a magic bullet rifling around your head and, you know, you were talking about those things that you say to yourself with friendships or with other things, I didn't know how many times I was all of the voices. I was speaking on behalf of everybody else, just assuming the worst about myself putting words in everybody's mouth because that was just easier than actually reaching out. And that's kind of a shocking, like, whoa. Oh, absolutely. I think self-reflection that comes when you start to realize how ADHD affects you. And there are certain things that make sense because we know the issue with attention, the issue with executive function, but there's so much that I want to say is tied to emotions and I like touch my heart because isn't that so like the universal symbol for our emotions, like our emotions are held in our heart, which is not true. It's all in our head. And so they're all bouncing off of one another and, and trying to get our attention, you know, like trying to weasel their way to the front and gosh, over the last 12 hours, the number of things that I've wanted to say today about how this weekend went and how the last week went. Like a part of me was like, do I bring up that my dad died? Like, 
I mean, my dad died five years right. ago and like his birthday was this last it's week. And it, it really messed with me. Yeah. But going back to your thing about like, can I blame my ADHD? Sometimes you're just like, does anyone want to hear it? Like, I know. Does anyone well, get it? But that's the, I mean, okay. So, but here's my, the thought I had while you were saying something earlier, you know, when we think about the statistics, right. And they estimate it's maybe 5% of the population. Okay. One in 20 people at a concert. That's a lot of us. That's a whole lot of us. I mean, it's not like we're some, you know, small fraction. And so I think it's, I had no idea this community was that large and that deep. I never really thought about it. But when you put it in context, and I mean, hearing someone else say it out loud is a really, I'm getting emotional now. See, I'm feeling it because yeah, this is where it's like, it's a great job to be in because mm-hmm. we're, we're helping in our own way. Yeah. We're helping others and helping ourselves. And that the one thing I think I struggle with when I'm explaining the importance of being open and honest about our mental health to people who maybe are just kind of like, eh, it's not as big of a deal as you make it out to. Sometimes you need to hear someone else put it into words to understand what it is. Absolutely. You need to hear someone explain why they feel a certain way and why they think a certain way and, and what triggers it for you to catch on that, oh, maybe that's not how I'm supposed to be feeling, you know? Right, right. I totally relate to that. I mean, that's how I, I don't know how many times while I was taking my assessment, I smiled. And that's a really weird reaction when you're kind of like, oh, I mean, it was like, because it was like a uh, mirror, a uh, mirror. Uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, putting all these clues together, it was like the biggest jigsaw puzzle. And it was like, wow, okay, that's why I can be a jack of all trades. I, I had the same thing. People told me, you're interested in too many things. You've got to focus. And I was like, I will never, I mean, it's weird. I was in my twenties. I'm like, I will never focus. Now here we are with refocused and it's perfect because it's true. It's like, I, I always struggled with where I fit in and I knew I made a big impact, but then it was the socialization and the trying to navigate all the other things that I would just put myself in the mouse trap and I would just kind of like knock myself out of the game. And so that was, it's been the really liberating thing about this for me. It's like, you know, I, I maybe think about mental health a little too much. I know my daughters are already like, okay, yeah, it's like, we've heard dad. Yeah. You did it again today, you know? So, but it's part of who I am now too. So it's like, it's, it feels great to kind of be authentic in that way and be exploring it while at the same time, Everything else I'm doing throughout the day is trying to help other people that are dealing with it like me. So that's just awesome. I want to touch on a little friend thing because I think this is something that I've had a really hard time explaining to people is like, you love being the center of attention. You wanted to be an entertainer. But on the flip side, I love showing affection. I hate receiving it. Like if Mm -hmm. I do something nice for someone and they send me a thank you card or they send me a nice text message or an email, it goes 
unread, unopened. I want nothing to do with it because I can't accept the fact that someone would feel that way about me. And it's not to say that I haven't let love in, obviously, like I have a wonderful boyfriend. I have very close friends. I have a great relationship with my family, but it's this feeling of insecurity and being put on the spot and having to digest kind words. And I, I hadn't realized how down on myself I had gotten. And a lot of it was stuff that was tied to my ADHD, to my views on my body, to my disordered eating, to coming to terms with the fact that I failed out of college twice. That's a fun one to reconcile every time I make a payment on my student loan. It's a lot of grief and sadness and awkwardness that comes with accepting why you're in the place you are and all the things that made you get there. And so when you do something that people appreciate and they want to show you affection and they want to make you feel like you've made them feel, I just am like, shut down. Nope. And I'm sure it comes across as snooty and rude and cold and standoffish. And at the same time, it's like, I'm quivering in the corner because it makes me so uncomfortable. I, you don't even know how much I relate to this. And it's like, and it's weird because socially I gravitate to being the storyteller and that's where I fit, right? I'm the storyteller and I can get everybody wound up around a story, but then you pull me onto a conversation and I just stumble. And it's not because I'm not interested. It's just, and so it would always be like, do you need to be the center of attention? It's like, not really, because if I walk into somewhere and I'm kind of, I, I'm just the wall fly. I'm just stuck to the wall. I'm talking to the one or two people I know, maybe the sound person, the help, you know, the, the staff that's there, wherever. No one, I, if I go to a networking event, I never end up networking with people. I mean, it's like I end up talking to the person next to me and we have this amazing connection. Right. Never walk up to the whole room of people that I'm entitled to walk up to and talk to, but I just don't. Um, and that is a self, even though I put myself in the room by choice. I mean, I, I was the young entrepreneur that was the mid nineties, go start your company. I had the internet fever without moving to Silicon Valley. We just moved to Bend, Oregon. And I'm really glad I did. It was perfect. We called it the digital desert because we were just out there and we got to, kind of do it at our pace but I was horrible at like the the networking side and all that like keeping things up and I just I never and you know thank you notes and things like that to me I always like it's interesting your take my take is always um I read them and I just feel guilty that I didn't do anything even close to that in return Right. So I didn't, I, I'm not going to write a thank you, or now I just feel this great weight of a thank you that I want to write that's so majestic and perfect. Like it's got to be some dove I'm going to release in the morning. I mean, I, it, but that's in my head, that's what it feels like. And that is, that's a really hard thing to explain to someone and not sound crazy. I, I know I'm weird and, you know, kind of out there, but you start talking about some of these things and some people are like, whoa, that's, Okay, 
you know, but I think that's also part of it, what makes me, me. So I wouldn't take it away. I'm curious if anyone has questions or if there have been any questions thrown in the chat and Boz, while you take a peek yeah. and maybe see if there's anything in there, I'm going to share a realization I shared with one of my sisters the other day. And I was telling her how I really like to make everyone feel included. It's something that I feel very strong about. I had a really hard time in middle school with bullying. We're going to talk about bullying as the school year starts and the connection that ADHD plays in how we respond to bullying. I also know that I am a villain in someone's story. I was not a perfect middle schooler. I don't think anyone is, but I think like looking back for the most part, I'd like to think that I was a kind human, that I was nice. And if not, I'm making up for it as an adult because I want to invite everyone to everything. I don't want anyone to even remotely feel left out. Like I have four tickets to a concert. One extra person is coming. You better believe I am going online and I'm finding that fifth ticket because I'm not letting anyone feel like, like I felt before. And it's an mm. absolutely terrible feeling. But on the flip side, let's say I'm hosting a party and I, at the last minute, am like, oh my gosh, I should invite our next door neighbors, should have them over. I should tell them we're having a party. If they're busy, or even if they're not busy and they're like, oh, thank you so much for the invite, but we're going to pass. I take it so personally. Now, keep in mind, most of the time it's 24 hours before, and I have not invited these people. So I'm getting worked up about the fact that they have a life and are choosing not to come to right. whatever I'm inviting them to. But the spiral that happens with this idea of it's back to me. It's, it's me right. now. Something's wrong with me. Right. Anyway, I wanted to give you a no, moment. It's really, to... it's really easy to do that. It's, I mean, so we've had a number of comments of people just saying, you know, they relate. I mean, this, the number of people that are, you know, diagnosed a couple of years ago in their forties, one month ago diagnosed. Um, is it weird that I'm like, congratulations? Like, no, I'm so happy like, for you. Well, and yeah, we hear this all the time. And Melissa said, it's crazy to me about the friendships I've left. Friendships telling my friends of years that I want to learn to be a better friend of them before I can continue our friendship. I would cancel last minute all the time. Melissa also said, you know, we have this imagination of what we want to be versus what we can actually accomplish. I ran into that this weekend. I mean, I had this big, like, I've made all this momentum. I've been making all this progress. I'm, you know, I'm medicated now. I'm, I'm not going to have those days anymore. And I had one of those days where I just, I was like, medicine or not. I was just struggling to keep on with what I wanted. I got stuff done, but it was just, it felt more like that older pattern. And it was kind of like, oh, no. So then this was interesting because Lori said, and I think this is very common. I find it difficult to balance learning how to deal with my ADHD, learning about it with life, which doesn't stop moving forward. Like we're in progress and it's like, yeah, hold on a second. Let me tell you what's going on. I mean, it is a balancing act. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of us are completely and totally struggling with that because of the last few years, because life felt like it was on hold, except for it very much wasn't. I've had this conversation with so many friends, you know, I'm 
36. I don't know that I want kids. If I want kids, I should probably start figuring it out because there's this lovely thing that we've been told about our entire lives called a biological clock. And it didn't understand that the last two years life was on hold and like literally nothing happened. Like my biological clock is not let's just like, yeah, we'll give you back that time. So it feels like an extra push, like an extra heavy, mm-hmm. we got to get stuff figured out. As I was told the day I turned 36, I am in my late thirties now. And I think it's hard. I think a lot of us look back at the last two years and we did the best we could but there's days where I go, I could have done so much at home. I was unemployed. Why wasn't I taking full advantage of it? And you're like, because we were just trying to survive. We were wiping down our groceries with (laughs) Clorox wipes. Like, come on people. Like, I I don't know that I ever actually did it, but I know that like every day felt like a massive struggle. I did. I totally did. We had, I remember even keeping them in the garage in their little isolation chamber, you know, so (laughs) So the COVID could wear off out there, I guess. Isolate, isolating your, your cauliflower. So that, yeah. but yeah. So, you know, Melissa also, she had another comment that I, I found very relatable. And this is one I've actually pre-diagnosis had started shifting on. So we had to replace the word excuse or blame with reason. This is the reason. And, I'm, and she says, I'm trying to overcome that. You know, I used to oftentimes, especially when you were talking about deferring meetings and stuff at work, oftentimes if there are things I just want I'm like, I can't do that today. I'll just, I got to do this. I got to reschedule. I got to move it around. And I used to say, oh, this is the reason I've got to do this. So sorry, I've got to, now I just go, I got to change this. And I don't need to give a reason. And they go, okay, that's fine. And I'm like, what? No one's upset with me? No one freaked out that I just needed to change something? No, people are accommodating. But in my head, there's a script going that they're not, they're going to be mad at me. They're never going to want to talk to me again. You know, all the the reasons that we were talking before are now evaporated because of my need to not, you know, or like backpedal. I don't know. It's amazing. Yes. The brain is a very powerful tool that is used for a lot of good and a lot of evil. And a lot of time the evil is working against us. That's the, that's the downfall of it. I mean, I don't want you to put your evil out into the world. You know, I want the evil to be squashed, but I'm saying that a lot of times we're our own worst enemy. And when you sit down and you just start listing all the things that are in your way and, and going back to the comment about, you know, it's hard to feel like you're moving forward and trying to learn, but then still you're not working with a clean slate. You know, you're, trying to figure out all of these things. And I mean, you mentioned this weekend was tough for you. I look back at this weekend and I'm like, what did I do? Why wasn't the podcast done? What got in the way? And it doesn't matter because it's, I mean, it's 36 years of learned delay of procrastination of putting other things ahead of what's actually important to me. And so I'm going to go back to this cat because Here's the deal. I saw that this morning. (laughs) I would like to paint an image for you. You can see it if you go to my Instagram. I got up at 4.30. I felt crummy. I made some coffee. I took a shower. I was like, I'm going to turn this day around. I got to own up for the fact that this podcast isn't done. And 
to go back on Friday, I got home and I live in a sweet little cul-de-sac and there are these sweet little girls across the street who love cats as much as I do. And I see them looking around and I walk outside and there's a cat in the yard. And the other week, these lost cat signs got put up and the cat's actually been outside since June 26th. So it's been outside for six weeks, you know, like a month and a half, a crazy amount of time. And now he's in our front yard. And the sweet thing is talking to me. I'm like in the bushes, like talking to this cat. He wants nothing to do with coming home with me, but he's very intrigued. And he runs off, goes on his way. I get in touch with the owner. She is beside herself. They have seen him so many times over the last six weeks. They haven't been able to catch him. And so I, of course, put on my helper hat. This is now my problem. I am going to catch this cat. And so my dear friend, Lindsay went and got me a live trap from a rescue here in the twin cities. And it's been in our garage all weekend waiting for the next sighting. You know, like I'm going to get it out. I learned how to open it. I've got the food. I'm going to make a little line of treats to get into the trap. And then this morning after I shower and I'm sitting here plotting all the excuses I could pull out of my excuse bag to throw at Boz (laughs) and the team at ADHD online, Pippi, our cat, starts losing her mind, running around the house. And this is not out of character by any means, the imagination. It's just, you know, it's what she does. Until Legend, the lost cat from June 26th, his name is actually Legend, he's very sweet, (laughs) comes walking around the side of our house. And what do I do? I drop everything, everything. I get up, I've got, you know, coffee on the stove. I was about to make breakfast. My hair is wet. And now I'm outside walking this neighborhood at six in the morning, carrying a live trap, a bag of treats, an open can of cat food, a towel to put over the trap. Long story short, I have not caught him yet. That is the goal. You're close. I'm close. We had a sighting. It's a great sighting. I think I'm going to have to catch him overnight. I might have to do some recon. If I start buying like night vision goggles, that's when warm we know food, we have gone too far. Warm fine. food in the trap, heated up in the microwave. Oh, make it extra stinky. That. I'm, I'll give you a reason why I know that. Okay. Time. Okay. Okay. For trapping a cat. For trapping a cat. Yeah. Uh, I bet you didn't think you would get cat trapping tips and tricks coming here, but it's so easy to hyper-focus on something. And I have taken on this cat as my responsibility. And I don't know why I feel that way. I know that I won't stop feeling that way until the cat is back safely with his family. I don't want like pats on the back. It's not like that. I think I'm some special human for this. It's just like, I know I'm capable of catching this cat. And so I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that this cat gets caught and gets back with his family because I would want someone to do that for me. But at the same time, I'm an adult who has responsibilities, who can't just drop everything to go and hyper-focus on something like that. And it is a very difficult little game we play. And we're in the last minute. I'm going to wrap this up. I am so thankful that we gave this a try. I'm grateful to the team at ADHD Online for creating an environment where I felt comfortable going to you this morning and saying, of course, this is not done. We, what did I say? This is our, uh, it's our experiment with deadlines. Yeah. So it is, I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a learning curve for all of us. And the great thing is that we have this community. We also have knowledge, just knowing 
that in order to get out of my own way, I had to go to, you know, my colleagues at ADHD online this morning. And I had to say, I need you to set these deadlines. I appreciate the kindness and the leniency that you've given me, but this is what I I didn't know you were pulling all nighters. I, well, I wasn't going to tell you. Yeah, That's I just know, why I never flipped on my camera was, after those mornings. Was, um... like, those filters weren't working. No. Bad habits are coming to an end. We are going to move forward in a great way. There's so much on the horizon. I cannot wait to share with you guys. Yeah. So Refocus with Lindsay Gensel to wrap this up is a collaboration between me, Lindsay Gensel, and ADHD Online, a telemedicine healthcare company that is working to create accessible and affordable assessments, medication management, and teletherapy. You can find out more by visiting ADHDonline.com. Our theme music was created by Lewis Inglis from Perth, Australia, who was diagnosed in 2020 at the age of 39 with ADHD. A huge thanks to Keith Boswell, Vice President of Marketing for ADHD Online, who joins us every week and in a sense has become the little guinea pig for the show, sharing his own experience with week five, four, where are we at? Week four, first refill. First refill in the books. I love it. Well, we will catch up later this week and you can hear all of that on Monday with the podcast that is done on time. It's about non-stimulant medications and how it works with the ADHD brain and how you can actually add it into your routine with your own stimulant medication to kind of even out some of the spots that you're missing. So thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for lots of great stuff coming. And if you want to reach me, you can do so podcast at ADHDonline.com and on social at Lindsay Gensel and at RefocusPod. Pod.